I'm ABC4 Utah's Nadia Crow on KUTE Radio, radio for students by students. This is Sam Ortiz, your student body president, and you're listening to All Ute Radio. You're listening to KU Radio's only podcast, OU Radio. It's with tremendous pleasure I bring in OU Radio's new co-host, Rebecca. You're listening to KU Internet Radio. We welcome your calls during the show at 801-585-3449. This is OU Listeners, welcome to All Ute Radio. Yes, hello. How are you? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's what I'm going to start saying. People say hi to me. I'm just like, yes. Yes. Hello. <laughs> well, hello. <laughs> How are you? Good. That's Warm. G- it's been so nice out. So nice. Yeah, but the air sucks. Yeah, I, th- I got weather. a bloody nose last night from I, our inversion. I got a bloody nose a couple days ago. Is yeah. that why? Yeah, it's from the inversion. What? I was playing League. Yeah, I was outside. And I got a little bloody nose. Just like, a, not like a one where I had to like go in the sink, but just like a tiny, I only needed like two Kleenex, but it was like one little trickle. Yeah, that's how mine was. It was so weird. Yeah, that's from pollution and your sinus cavity is getting blocked up. If you're a doctor and want to tell yeah, me differently, please let me know. see my face right now. <laughs> it's disgusting. <laughs> yes. Ugh. It is absolutely disgusting gusting the air quality in the city now they call utah back when the utes used to live here back in the late 1800s this salt lake valley has always been referred to as the land of smoke so the inversion is not a modern white man syndrome this valley has always had captured inversions but when you can taste the smoke in the (laughs) soot and you can smell it and there's no diesel cars warming up next to you there's a problem. Like, I want to move out. I do, too. I'm I disgusted. Was, it's just even sometimes just walking across campus or to the bus or something. It's like I, I think I have a cough and then I get inside and realize that I was just like my lungs were burning. Yeah. I bet we should all start smoking cigarettes and cigars so that we can train our lungs to properly deal with this stuff. <laughs> my poor lungs are like, what is this? But you were in such land good health. Land of smoke? Yeah, the land of smoke. The valley of smoke. Valley of smoke. The valley of smoke. Why do we still use that? That's awesome. Isn't it? <laughs> I've never heard it anywhere. I didn't even know that was a thing. So you're listening to KU Internet Radio in the valley of smoke. Yeah, right? Why does no one Boom. capitalize on that? That's I just did. Thing. Copyright. Sasha yeah. Bloom, OU Radio. <laughs> yeah. OU Radio just claimed it. In the valley of smoke. Are we called Utahns? Sure. Is that what it is? Ute, well, us specifically are Utes. Oh, Utes. Oh, duh. Because we're on the campus at the University of Utah. But like Utah people. Yeah, Utahns. Utahns? Yeah. Yuck. Like South Dakotan? <laughs> yes. Utahns. Okay, I wasn't for sure. That's awful in sounds. <laughs> <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> There's been a lot of demonstrations up on the hill. Yes. Um, I would bring you content. But I have not been given my press pass by <laughs> KU Internet Radio. Do you hear the anger? <laughs> oh, the frustration I mounts. I saw it, though. And then I read about it. Over 4,000 people. Yes. Up on the hill. 
wearing surgical masks and uh, all kinds of what world do we live in like i love this imagination that we're a first world country we are not we We have chloride in our water factories in our (laughs) nice cars we drive around instead of sledding to work in the ice and so as i've said for you know i've covered the state legislative sessions the last two years I would rather go there than on a date with a perfect 10 model. Like that's more interesting than getting laid, than getting A's on a test, <laughs> than getting $60,000 a week. Than winning a marathon? Yes, all those things. I want to watch these politicians blunder and screw up our world. Like there's because they do it with such righteousness. <laughs> like when you watch a rich man who's partially educated be righteous and govern, <laughs> it's brilliant. It's brilliant. But Let's go. Yes. 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 I will find a lady. Uh-huh. You bring your Mitch and we'll double date up on the hill. Can we? We should. I'm serious. I've never even been in the Capitol building. So here's my problem. For any person that works or doesn't have time to go up to the Hill, then the nice thing is this Utah State Legislative Sessions and all legislators throughout the country have to legally broadcast and record their shows. shows. (laughs) That's what they are. There was a gospel gospel band that opened up uh, for the legislative sessions. I would wait, give you. Wait, that's yeah. like a regular. They like have weird stuff <laughs> yes. like that before them. Entertainment for what them. What are these again? These are state legislators, congressmen, and senators that are paid a handsome salary. Handsome amount. <laughs> and they had a gospel. Yes, the, the gospel choir of like six or seven. Just for fun. No, to sing and open up their show. Their fest. Their forty-five days of festivities. Yes. I didn't know it was so festive. It is. Can and I sing for them? <laughs> I'll bring my guitar. <laughs> you should. I can't find Robertson's stuff anywhere in my computers. Uh, I'll sing the minutes for them if they need me to. And I'll go in and be like, and then after this. <laughs> and so anybody who has interest in <laughs> watching this stuff, you can go to Ellie. .utah.gov, and if you know your bill that you're interested in, you can watch video or you can download the audio. Or now, you can take a date. Or you can go. take a date and go. Because I'm serious about that. Yeah. I'm so serious. And if you have a press pass, you can plug in your stuff and it becomes your content. I don't know about the ethics, journalistically speaking, of me playing downloaded content from their site. Because technically you can run into copyright issues. Yeah. This is what Terry Goday of KUER has told me. Just don't do it. Don't cheat. It's cheating. It's immoral. Let's go get And so if own, KU Internet Radio would like to give us a pass, would like content from this legislative session, we have 43 more days. But I have to get fingerprinted. I have to go through a heavy examination. I'll get fingerprinted? <laughs> well, just to go, you can go in the gallery and watch. Mm-hmm. But to get privilege to tape you have to get fingerprinted and go through all that nonsense what's mean you get press passes and then hey i've brought it up to the news director i've brought it up to william hatton himself and so i know that they probably won't be listening to this show on demand because many people in ku don't support ku you know so we'll find out i want to (laughs) go i want to go i'll just like i'll take notes yes (laughs) and then i'll read quotes and i'll 
I'll like draw pictures of what's going on and post them on the blog. <laughs> <laughs> you know? It it really is. It's a spectacle like is none it other. Fascinating. Yes, I love it. As I said earlier, and I I don't want to keep repeating myself, but I don't really believe in demons and supernatural phenomena where like people can shape shift or morph. Uh-huh. But if there is an idea of shapeshifters, like humans who shapeshift into other animals, they are at that building. Like some of the like you'll see people like repeatedly like sticking their tongues out like a fork, like a forked tongue. Like they'll just be doing this and their eyes are like all sunk in the back of their head. And then you'll get people that are like 485 pounds, like who can barely move. It's phenomenal and these people have the power to legislate your life away what yeah apparently how we decided that the subtitle for all you radio jokingly was going to be life is weird (laughs) (laughs) we should ask that's like the segment like we go watch stuff that makes you like reaffirms how weird you think life is because these weird shape-shifting politicians Now, I'm not saying they're shapeshifters, but if, but for those life. Illuminati fans and people that believe in that kind of stuff, there's certainly that image that you could grab from there. And I certainly don't agree with that. I think that they're human beings who are trying to do their best. But but they might be shapeshifters. Yes. So we just had a federal court ruling that the Utah's Constitutional Amendment 3 is illegal, which... Uh, you know, declares a marriage between a man and a woman only. Mm-hmm. And so they legalized gay marriage about two and a half, three weeks ago in this state. Then the governor vetoed it, right, and said, yeah, no, this that. is not happening. We're putting a moratorium on it. And so guess what's happening, what's not happening at Utah State Legislative Sessions? Tell me what's not happening. They will not be discussing same-sex marriage. Why? Well, they're not saying, but obviously it's because it's going to the Supreme Court. This is going to be one of those cases that goes to the Supreme Court, so they're going to sit and wait. What productive corporation doesn't tackle the biggest thorn in their body? And I'd like to reissue this statement. If you are gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, or queer, you can be legally fired and evicted from your property for being LGBT. There's no due process. There's no safety or insurance. You can't visit your family in a hospital if they are sick. You can't receive wills of testimony when they pass away. But they don't. They don't have that. They're not going to worry about it this year. Get it together, Utah. Get it together. Sasha Bloom of All Ute Radio says, Sasha "Quit Bloom. treating us poorly. Sasha we are Bloom human beings, and we have a very short lifespan." In each of us individually on this planet. Unless you're a shapeshifter. Unless you're a shapeshifter. And it's very difficult to find love, kindness, beauty, and harmony before you get cancer and terminal before disease, you, right? Before you before pass Before you away. die at 40. Give us some freedom, you legislators. Allow us to live with the comfort of dignity. Gay, straight, you know, whatever. Just give us some freedom. I can't wait until they legalize pot federally to see what happens in this state. See what <laughs> Why am I so itchy? <laughs> the air. <laughs> we started talking about the air. Yeah. And it like, it's like when you think about spiders, your skin sort of crawls. Mm-hmm. I get that. I have like a little bit of claustrophobia. And it like shows when I think about things like air that's uh-huh. gross. 
and I know it's everywhere right now. It's all in it's your like pores. All inside my pores, and I'm seriously so itchy. Is if you any of you people like to read the newspaper? I guess it's not a newspaper anymore. It's online. There are many safety tips from doctors on the Tribune that discuss your poor health. If you're an avid runner and you're in good health and you're in your 20s, don't yeah, run. I don't run outside. Yeah, you shouldn't be. Can I run inside? They're saying that people shouldn't be exercising when we have hazardous. We have hazardous air quality heard, here. Yeah, I mean, I know lots of people who don't run in the winter, and I don't. I try not to. Sometimes I take advantage after a big blizzard when it's like that sunny day where it's kind of crisp but warm enough to run. Right. I'll run after that. It's good for your heart, generally. Okay. But I've heard from a lot of people that even now, because the air is just so bad, mm-hmm. that even like in indoor gyms. And building like workout facilities, that the air still is just like you should not be. No. Doing big. You should be. You should be sitting on your couch, reading a book. Which is no good because some of us have to go home this weekend for their little sister's twentieth birthday. How cute! And we're going to Vegas and just like having a little pool day on Saturday. Oh, adorable! She is like an inch shorter than me and like thirty pounds lighter. And I'm not going to be in a swimming suit next to her. So I've been working out and juice fasting this week. And everyone's like, don't work out. And I'm like, I You can't. weigh like 87 yeah. pounds. I don't weigh 87. What are you trying to get to 86? Yeah, I'm really trying to get that 83. But it's like, ugh, the last four pounds is so hard. Why are women so caught up on the way that they look when the men they date are slobs? Because <laughs> the men are caught up on the way women look. Even the slobs. Oh. <laughs> Makes no, sense to I me. I work out for me. Do you? Yeah, kind of. I used I'm to work out a lot. Probably most critical on myself, anyway. I used to be real close to running a four-minute mile back in the day. What? Yeah. I can't. I think the closest I've ever gotten was like years ago, and it was like six ten. <laughs> 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 I am not fast runner. I can run miles at a time. I mean, I can do some distance, but sprinting. Are you a marathon I'm runner? Running. Have you run a marathon? I run five k's, and I'm doing a half marathon. So how do you feel about uh, peeing yourself when you're in a marathon? Because it is a phenomenon by female runners. I won't pee myself. (laughs) Any of you who don't believe me, type it in Google. (laughs) Marathon peers. And if I feel like I'm going to pee, I'll just sacrifice where I'm at in the run and just like run behind a bush. But not if you want to win. I don't care about winning. I I know. See, that's the thing is I'm in shape like as far as running goes enough to finish at a decent time. But I'm not like a race winner. My mother was a marathon runner when I was a little boy. And now that she's close to her 70s, she has no cartilage in her knees. She's probably going to end up getting a knee replacement in 10 to 12 years. Uh, Running is not a healthy activity for your joints. You should rethink running. Get an order track. I do. Become a bobsledder. I use the elliptical. Yeah. The stair. What about snowshoeing? Mill is what it's called. I've never even gone snowshoeing. It's fun. I don't even know what it means. You put these big like tennis racket things on your I've feet. I've seen the tennis racket things, but I don't understand how you lift your feet or how that works in the snow. Wouldn't it just get covered by snow? It has. I, I'm not a physicist, but it has something to do with <laughs> like the way the webbing is so that you don't go down. What was that? It's 6.33. Oh, we're, we're in trouble. <laughs> How's that happen? We're going to get fired. We better go to break immediately. But how did we even get that far? Well, you know. 
How is it this time already? Well, (laughs) (laughs) we'll go to break, we guess. Yes. Just for... You're listening to KU Internet Radio. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Tweet us. Tweet them. Build their numbers because they need it. Facebook.com slash KU Radio. Let me say one more thing real Mm -hmm. quickly. There's a big change coming to KUradio.org. Instead of seeing OU Radio on the front page, you are getting nothing but news. So for fans of you in the future who would like to listen to Rebecca and myself, simply tag the on-demand tab at the top of the page, and you will find OU Radio and anything that Keith McDonald's doing in the future and any special presentations. But we will not be on the front page anymore because we want you to listen to 90-second news and the hour news show that starts Friday. So tune in, listen, get inspired, and uh, thank you so much. We'll we be appreciate right back you. after some promos. Yes, ma'am. Hey, this is Bob Bedore with Quick Wits, and you're listening to KU Radio, the only real radio at the University of Utah. I'm Johnny McKeon, former host of Old Ute Radio. You are listening to the new and improved version of Old Ute Radio. Hello, listeners. Yes. <laughs> Welcome back to Old Ute Radio. But it was still enjoyable, right? So this is Old Ute Radio. Now. It's good. Again. At KU Internet Radio. For students. Not for students. Not for not students. Not by students. Not by students. For Just students. By students. You know, ours. it's been a 65-year-old tag with Newsbreak, so, so we're just... Naturally, we took it. We're, yeah, we're taking it. Naturally, we saw that I wonder if there's a copyright issue with that, since uh, Newsbreak is owned by uh, PBS. It is a produced show by PBS Broadcast. But enough of that stuff. I wanted to take you back from the beginning of the show. On a journey. Yes. For This is from the Salt Lake Trib. They posted <laughs> a minute of the choir that sang for the opening of the legislative sessions. So, with that, I bid you a good hello.
I bet that's that more is. black people in one sitting that these Congress people have seen in their entire lives. They had to get them from out of state. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is the gospel choir from <laughs> California. It's we tried to find five, but we couldn't. <laughs> so here they are. It's so funny because there's one, two, three, four, five black women, one black man. And then, like, you kind of get a side shot of all the legislators, <laughs> and they're all, all white, white with gray hair. And they're just like, some are like reading the newspaper and playing with their phones. <laughs> and like other people are like, got their shoulders all up high and looking at them. And <laughs> what, a, what a weird place. It, it might be weird. It might be the most beautiful building I've seen in the United States. Really? Yeah, I mean, maybe some of the Smithsonian buildings in New York and Washington, D.C. I've seen pictures and it looks beautiful. I've just never been there. And it's kind of intimidating. I was like, what do I do? Just walk in? They have a gold elevator. Like, I don't know if it's real gold. Doesn't it, matter. Yeah. <laughs> like, the doors are I'm gold. I'm serious about the double date. You should. I really want to go. If if not, you should take Mitch up there sometime because you Wait, can... do you just walk right in? Yeah. And there's, like, three or four levels, and they got beautiful hand-chiseled statues all over the place. The whole thing is nothing but marble and granite and, like, the most intricate mason work you've ever stone mason work you've ever seen like, is that like a gift shop yeah <laughs> yeah i bought my state constitution there because it's tough to buy a state constitution anywhere else what yeah. i'm gonna go like you can get a t-shirt go on a double date and then make him buy me a present for it yes you can get a postcard oh i'll send it to myself you can get a teddy bear <laughs> a teddy bear that looks like a legislator yes <laughs> and with a jerk Yes, it, it's, I'm just, I'm really saddened that I haven't been there yet, but I got 43 more days to go. We're going to, it's happening. It's going to happen one way or the other. I just. I will, it'll happen. I just don't want to cheat our audience by using uh, tape not that's ours. not mine. Plus ours would be so much more awesome anyway. Yes. Because <laughs> I'm only interested in the weird, like, yeah, like your policies only affect me financially and I am a slave of theirs until I move to a different state and I'll be a slave of their legislators. So either way, like I'm screwed like by our government, um, financially, morally, spiritually, like healthfully. So all you gotta do is just find these weird things. Why are there people singing Amazing Grace to open this? Like who paid them? Rebecca and I. We paid Old them. Ute Radio. You the listeners listener, of All Ute Radio. You paid them. Yes. I mean, it was, it was nice. So I know we have a lot of out-of-state listeners. I'm going to do my best when I talk about legislative stuff in the future to try to bring more of a non-Utah perspective because I get from a lot of people that don't listen to Utah, like, why would I want to listen to anything that people from Utah have to say? Because in the rest of the country, they think we're totally backwards. And there, there's a big argument there. Just yeah, saying. A backwards. Just saying. So we have the Olympics coming up here pretty soon. Yeah, I didn't even know that. I seriously had not a clue until I read that. Did <laughs> you know there there are no gay people in Sochi, according Tell to their mayor? <laughs> I found the article. Did you? Yeah, he says. <laughs> wait for it. It's good. It's worth it. Okay. How can there be no gay people like in a city? <laughs> like I'm not going to try to say his name because I can't. Oh, give it a shot. Mayor Anatoly. Pakamov. 
You puck him off. You puck him off. He told the BBC's Panorama program, we just say that it is your business. It's your life. But it's not accepted here in the <laughs> Caucasus? Yes, the Caucasus Mountains. Where That's where live. the term Caucasoid comes from. That's where the term white, you know, white people come from. The yeah. Caucasoids. We do not have them in our city. <laughs> Putin has defended this country's laws, saying Russia was not going after gay people. He has, however, also said Russia needs to cleanse itself of homosexuality if it wants to increase its birth rate. Well, can you read that again? Well, the whole thing? No, just that last sentence. He said Russia needs to cleanse itself of homosexuality if it wants to increase its birth rate. Sounds a little Hitlery. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but it, then he goes on to explain that there are no bans on what people do amongst themselves. Right. Homosexuality is not illegal or anything, but they have a ban on propaganda of homosexuality. Uh, can you listen to Queen in Sochi? Like like if an uh, Olympian wanted Queen for their like music? <laughs> <laughs> well, it says, in a clear message to Moscow, U.S. President Barack Obama included three openly gay athletes in his Olympic delegation. Yes, he did. <laughs> Billie Jean King being one of them, I think. <laughs> awesome. That's funny. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're going to send a bunch of gays over there. <laughs> we're going to bring them. You're going to have to talk to gay people. You're going to have to hear them, smell them, see them. What world do we live in? Like, I mean, I guess it makes sense. Like, before. I could probably explain it in three words. Okay. Life is weird. Life, hashtag life is weird. <laughs> That's a thing, and it's happening. But really, what world do we live in? <laughs> So, do you ever listen to the State of the Union? Almost never. No? How come? Because I tried, and then I just couldn't get down with it. What do you mean? Um, I'm interested in a lot of, I mean, I read a lot of articles, and I like to stay, like, hip with what's going on. Mm -hmm. But at some point, it just gets to be, like, I don't know. I feel like it's just always the same hopeless thing. So I'm watching uh, the State of the Union right now, or at least it's on. And it's an ABC feed, but underneath the ABC, you know, emblem, it's hashtag SOTU. Can we, as a country, stop with the hashtags? Every commercial, hashtag this, hashtag that. I can't believe they hashtag State of the Union. Right. <laughs> I, that's hilarious. Dude, we got a hit president. <laughs> I know, like... He's all talking, and he's like, by the way, hashtag S-O-T-U. <laughs> hashtag out. <laughs> hashtag Barack Obama. Hashtag I'm Signing hungry. out. <laughs> yeah. Hashtag where's the burgers. Hmm. He just finished up. That's a bummer. We should have played the whole thing live. Oh. <laughs> but we could go to break and come back and play that. Oh, no. He's just coming up to speak. So when he goes live, maybe we'll tune we'll in for a minute. Put him on a little? Yeah. We'll, we'll see what our is. president has to say to us. Very interesting time uh, being a president. What's going on with uh, gay marriage, the economic collapse that's going on. Uh, we're in war for thir the last 13 years or so. Healthcare is really poor. It's a tough job for him. All right, he's just, he's just entering the podium now. Should we put him on? Yeah, put the good president on. Members of Congress, I have the high privilege and distinct honor of presenting to you the President of the United States. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, that might be one of the few times tonight that everybody gets up. Thank you. For prolonged applause. We'll see how long that sticks once the president starts laying out his agenda. Thank you so much. Mr. Speaker, Mr. Vice President, members of Congress, my fellow Americans. Today in America, a teacher spent extra time with a student who needed it and did her part to lift America's graduation rate to its highest levels in more than three decades. An entrepreneur flipped on the lights in her tech startup and did her part to add to the more than 8 million new jobs our businesses have created over the past four years. An auto worker fine-tuned some of the best, most fuel-efficient cars in the world and did his part to help America wean itself off foreign oil. A farmer prepared for the spring after this strongest five-year stretch of farm exports in our history. A rural doctor gave a young child the first prescription to treat asthma that his mother could afford. A man took the bus home from the graveyard shift, bone-tired, but dreaming big dreams for his son. And in tight-knit communities all across America, Fathers and mothers will tuck in their kids, put an arm around their spouse, remember fallen comrades, and give thanks for being home from a war that, after 12 long years, is finally coming to an end. Tonight, this chamber speaks with one voice to the people we represent. It is you, our citizens, who make the state of our union strong. And here are the results of your efforts. The lowest unemployment rate in over five years, a rebounding housing market, a manufacturing sector that's adding jobs for the first time since the 1990s, more oil produced, more oil produced at home than we buy from the rest of the world, the first time that's happened in nearly 20 years. Our deficits cut by more than half. And for the first time, for the first time in over a decade, Business leaders around the world have declared that China is no longer the world's number one place to invest. America is. That's why I believe this can be a breakthrough year for America. After five years of grit and determined effort, the United States is better positioned for the 21st century than any other nation on Earth. The question for everyone in this chamber 
running through every decision we make this year. So we are now the number one country in the world again. Hooray! Uh, yeah. I am happy. Thank you, Mr. President, for reminding us that we don't have poverty and homelessness and rampant disease and sick people in this country. You are spot on, sir. Congratulations. You sound very op optimistic there. I, I really wow. kind of want to listen to this whole speech, but um, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that. He's an engaging speaker. Yeah. Like, he's so good on a teleprompter. Like, he should be a news anchor when he retires. He should do the weather. No, he's stiff. Like, I know in Utah he'd be a good weatherman because, like, everyone except for Jim Kosek at ABC, like, they're as stiff Is as can be. Is that the new weatherman guy? Yeah. My coworker thinks he's hot. A lot of people think he's hot. I've like, never seen He's him. married to a beautiful woman. He gets hit on everywhere he goes because he's really funny. What's he look like? Wait, what's his name? Jim Kosek. <laughs> Jim Kosek. If you actually go to YouTube and type in Jim Kosek, it will come up with videos of the world's greatest weatherman when he was with AccuWeather. Like, he, oh, yeah, he used to do, like, wrestling promos during the news. This guy? I can't. S yeah, that's him. He got LASIK surgery now, so he doesn't wear glasses anymore. Still not attracted to him. Well, I mean, you're like one of the most gorgeous women in the world. I, I imagine you're only attracted to people like Brad Pitt and uh -uh. George Clooney and false, false, <laughs> hashtag false, hashtag false. <laughs> Though my celebrity crush is Ian Somerhalder. No idea who that is. He's on Vampire Diaries. Uh, yeah. He's just an actor. Is that on the CW thirty? I don't know what that means. This channel the CW. I don't know. Oh. I just know he's on it, and he's. Are you a vampire girl? A vampire girl? You like vampires? Yeah. I read the Twilight books when I was in high school, or ninth grade. Thought they were pretty bad, mm -hmm. but not any worse than any of the other, like, crap young adult literature there is that, f that we read. So, I thought, eh, you know, they're, like, not worth the hype, but they're decent. Mm -hmm. Then the movies came out, and I only saw the first one, and I was like, I cannot sit through this it's awful <laughs> but i never watched true blood or any of those but i have watched vampire diaries see not enough nudity for me in true blood <laughs> i've never seen it does it have a lot I or don't not know. a lot of nudity? i don't know <laughs> vampire diaries is just pretty like action-packed mm -hmm. but also pretty into the Did whole you ever read Bram stroker's dracula yeah. and anne rice's stuff i like vampires I just don't like any of the new vampire stuff. Did you know that redheads in Europe were perceived to be vampires? And that they would actually kill redheads. Like if like Romanians. Yeah, in Li Lithuania, they yeah. used to spit on people with red hair. Like, it was publicly allowed. I read about that. Are you a vampire? <laughs> I hope so. I know, right? I've had dreams that I was a vampire. Would you like to be a vampire? Yeah. Or at least no one. <laughs> you wouldn't you wouldn't be morally perturbed by biting the jugular of somebody like that does that wouldn't bother your psyche not if i was a vampire <laughs> not if you're a vampire fair enough that's what i made to be <laughs> someone made me <laughs> or i would eat animals so like the good vampire brother on vampire diaries <laughs> so here's the how ditzy do i sound <laughs> god i swear i'm educated <laughs> i'm like the good brother only eats animals he's the best <laughs> so <laughs> do you think that there are vampires and such 
around? I don't know. Because if there's vampires, there's shapeshifters. Like yeah. Well, here's the thing. Mummies. Zombies. Call me young. Okay. But I, I have, like, a very logical side of me that is like, no, duh. No vampires. No, none of that. But then also, people are going to think I'm weird and crazy. But I feel like it's not... I don't know that there are, but I don't feel like it's impossible that there are either. I wouldn't want to be a vampire. Huh? I wouldn't want to be a vampire. I don't know that I'd want to. I, just I mean, I want to date one for fun. Do you think they'd be like super masculine caricatures that would like give you the best time of your life? I know. I would just want to watch them like run around and do vampire stuff. You just want to be bitten. <laughs> Dirty I just girl. feel like I feel like vampires could. Okay, people think I'm probably insane now i'm not saying they do exist or that it's even practical mm-hmm. but and while there's lots of reasons why these like myths or things start up i feel like it's not the craziest thing in the world to believe that it is possible or was ever possible so do you believe in ghosts yes okay do you believe in people having psychic abilities yeah definitely do you believe i would say i'm a little bit paranormal slash mythic not me like i believe in a fair amount of since we've been talking about a lot of government should vampires zombies mystics (laughs) and the such have equal rights and due process under our constitution yes i haven't thought about it that much (laughs) me neither it would depend i'd have to talk to one and decide. Would you be in support of your country going to war against a flock of vampires? No, because they will. Here's kill a better question. Everybody. Here's a better question. Do you think that this country, <laughs> in its current form, would have demonstrations and would try to protect vampires from oh, vampire yeah. hunters? Oh yeah, we'd be like, we'd be like free vampires. <laughs> what did they do Let to them you? Live. They only need to drink a little bit. It's like giving blood. We'd start. People would start rallying to do blood drives for vampires. I like it. I do too. Let's make vampires. <laughs> Why does everybody that's listening think I'm crazy now? No, it's just you. Uh, I'm applauding you. Thank you. Yes. And for those of you interested, Barack Obama is still speaking. Never stops. No, he's got. The fun never ends in government. <laughs> Someone's always talking somewhere. Would you it's ever supposed would to be important? You ever thought it entertain the idea of going into politics? I actually have before. Yes. Sort of embarrassing, uh-huh. but like middle school, I don't remember. I think it's called Junior Achievement, that program. Hi, I'm Rebecca, Hi. Governor of Utah. Governor. How are you? <laughs> that kids do? No, I went. Has your son done it? Junior no. Achievement. It's like. They teach you how to budget money, and they oh teach yeah, you he about does cities, it. Yeah, he and does they that. have like a little map of a city, and you have a cars. And yeah, it's they like take them to the children's museum now yeah. and do it there. I, when I was in junior achievement, end of elementary school and middle school, I was always in student government. So like from fourth grade on, I was like fourth grade representative, fifth grade representative. You were elected by your class. Uh-huh. And oh there was goodness. like a representative and then a sub mm-hmm. person, and I always won. And I did student, I was like... Mickelson Middle School student body co-president with my best friend. And I did student uh, senior class council in high school my senior year. But I've always, 
I mean, I, the older I got, the more I wanted to run as far away from politics as possible. But I always thought it'd be so cool to be like a mayor or a governor. I tried to run for student body president at one of the colleges Did I went to. they spit on you? <laughs> well, they wouldn't let me on the ballot. What? I don't know why. But then I got 128 um, write-ins? write-ins, even though I wasn't on the ballot. And I only like finished like 75 behind like the winner. What? Yeah. You should have won. <laughs> I know. I was so proud. My middle school year, me and my best friend Jamie were student body co-presidents. But we were running against this random year. Everyone decided they were too scared to run alone and ran as pairs. And that was allowed. And there was two pairs that were like the most popular girls and the most popular guys in school. Like two athletes and the other two were like ditzy, pretty, super popular. And we beat them because we got the vote of like all the sixth and seventh graders and all the eighth. Like we were, I was never popular, I don't think, in eighth grade. But we won because all the underclassmen liked us more because we were like the people's president. (laughs) It was so funny. But the other two girls, their whole thing was like, we're going to get it so that Domino's Pizza comes every Friday in the cafeteria. And I was like, you have zero power. You're in eighth Uh grade. They're going (laughs) to have you like sit and decorate for a dance. So we're at that time again. Oh, that time of the break. Yes. I mean of the When show. we get back, we're going to have Mr. Dakota on. It'll be a trio. Mr. Rubber Ducky. Mr. Rubber. Yeah. What have I missed? See, I got a new promo for him. Oh, yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I, it, it's just a song. Like, I had nothing to do with it. Yeah, if you want, I can play it before we go to break. If Just to see where I'm at with this. Yeah. Give me a thumbs up. Uh, breaker one nine, this here's a rubber duck. You got a copy on me, Big Ben? Come on. Uh, yeah, ten four, Big Ben, for sure, for sure. By golly, it's clean, clear to Flagtown. Come on. Yeah, it's a big ten four there, Big Ben. Yeah, we definitely got the front door, good buddy. Mercy sakes alive, looks like we've got us a convoy. What do you think so far? This is literally the funniest thing I've ever heard in my whole life. We got ourselves a convoy. And then the music is like intense western. One of Dakota's deep down secrets is he wants to be a long haul trucker. He just wants to? Yeah. Wait, guys, listen. Gospel voices. Can you do a mashup to this? Yeah. Please? Please let me. I will do You will blow up on YouTube if you do this. Oh my god. you want to back off them hogs? Ten, four, five miles or so. Ten, Rogers, them hogs. Yeah. This is the best thing I've ever heard. Cool. It's 7.30. we got to go to break. So, so. Uh, here's some promos. We'll be back with Dakota. Thanks for listening to KU Internet Radio, providing you the sounds of student life. If there's something you want to hear, feel free to call in at 801-585-3449. You can also hit us up on Facebook at facebook.com slash radio or on Twitter at K underscore U-T-E. Well, I finally did it. My student loan is totally paid off. What? What about our plan to win the lottery and start living? You know, travel the world on matching yachts, wear enough jewelry to require a bodyguard, vacation on the French Riviera, and then buy it. 
You know we're never going to win the lottery, right? When it comes to financial stability, don't get left behind. Get tools and tips for saving at feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs, the Utah Society of CPAs, and the Ad Council. When brothers Michael and Peter Giles set out to start a band in England in 1970, they never imagined that their first venture, Giles, Giles and Fripp, would lead into what is now one of the most influential bands of the 70s and 80s. Rolling Stone magazine described King Crimson as the beginnings of progressive rock, but we just call it what we want to play. Tune in Fridays at 8 for Psycho Radio, where the past is still very much alive. Thank you for listening to KU Internet Radio, broadcasting online, streaming on Channel 99 in the dorms, on smartphones with the TuneIn Radio app, or you can tune in with the iPhone app. If you want to find out more about the station, visit our website at www.kuradio.org. Brilliant. No. Yeah, which makes it even better. <laughs> yeah, it's a big <laughs> to wait. Yeah, we definitely got the front door, good buddy. Mercy sakes alive. Looks like we've got us we a thought you hadn't heard it enough, so we had to play it one more time, guys. So this is OU Radio. At KU Internet Radio. Broadcasting for students by students, but I'm suggesting there might be a copyright infringement with that term. So for now, we'll say we're broadcasting for humans by humans, because the last thing I want to do is be unethical. I get to work today. Yes. So. <laughs> so we introduce Dakota. Dakota, say hello to the world. Say hello to Rebecca. Good evening. Uh, good evening, uh, Salt Lake City, everyone else listening. Uh, Rebecca, it's a pleasure to get to be on radio with you. It is a pleasure. Yes. Yes, that's we, how Sasha starts things. <laughs> we were playing the Convoy song for you, sir. We decided that that's your intro. I was telling her how you wanted one of your deep desires is to be a long-haul trucker. Yes, no, it's been, it's been one of my dreams for years. Uh, I was successful to, uh, to hitchhike with a few truckers, and I got to say, it's one of the happiest days of my life. <laughs> Seriously? I want to. Yeah, yeah, I actually, uh, I hitchhiked into Salt Lake City uh, when I went to Westminster College. I got out of a, got out of a freight liner uh, up in Sugar House and walked over to the college to start up. <laughs> I want to be, what I an intro to a movie that would be. I want to be a passenger for a long haul truck driver. Then I could just get so much crocheting done. <laughs> Are you a knitter? I'm a crocheter. Thank you. I'm an 80 year old woman. Where's my heart. beanie? My spirit. Oh, I got to I want an all you radio beanie. I'll make it. Text me and remind me. I will. My spirit animal is Betty White. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> my spirit, my spirit animal is Charlie Sheen, so we'll get along fine. Yes. I guess I'm Fat Albert, so hey, hey, hey. <laughs> I could do the Fat Albert voice, probably. Let's hear it. Hey, hey. hey. <laughs> so, 
your father is a world-renowned dulcimer player, and Becca was telling me during a break that she's a dulcimer player. I play, but it's a, I mean, I guess they're kind of all the same, but I tune mine different than a lot of dulcimer players because I specifically play a hammer dulcimer from Thailand. For so those it's got like an Asian oriental tuning. What is a dulcimer? Like I've seen Mr. Force play the dulcimer. I've been to dulcimer celebrations. I have no idea what they are. Can someone explain it to me? There's two different kinds. Um, Becca was talking about the hammer dulcimer, which um, is not a native um, uh, English or American instrument. It actually comes from the uh, from the zither, I believe. Yeah. So it's it's not plucked. It's it's hammered. Yeah. And so the similarities between a dulcimer and a hammered dulcimer actually stop right there with the word. They're uh, commonly lumped into a similar musical category, but uh, turns out are, are not related at all. Huh. <laughs> and that's that. <laughs> Only on OU Radio. <laughs> but, well, what's interesting is the Appalachian Mountain dulcimer is uh, native to the United States, and it's one of two instruments that we were crafty enough to gift to the world being the dulcimer as well as the banjo so banjos are the like world coolest. can thank us for that can you play the banjo uh-huh we should really start a hillbilly band should we yeah i have a mandolin see so, yeah, i have I, a fiddle and you can play all this i stuff. can play some jugs yeah what wait what kind i can't you know she wants to know what kind <laughs> all I, of them the kind that go boom 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 I can't Still play unclear. anything. Like I tried playing recorder when I was like in kindergarten. <laughs> Hot cross buns got you. Yeah, I couldn't do it. I got I failed. That's sad. Why do you think I'm such a repressed jerk now? <laughs> my brother, my older brother, we all played an orchestra in the same elementary school growing up, but like they were older. But I remember when I was like maybe in kindergarten, my older brother was in fourth grade and the orchestra teacher had to ask him to quit playing cello because he was so bad <laughs> wouldn't practice and just was awful and he was like it's it's time for you to stop yeah they tried to get me to play the triangle and i failed at that too <laughs> it's, it, i'm just stunned at my life you guys want to hear something funny yes i heard a u of u percussionist and the music program is pretty hard to get into so you have to be like decently talented mm-hmm. i heard a u of u percussionist Say this. Be right back. I have to go tune the triangle. And <laughs> seriously meant it. And I was like, do you not know that you can't tune that? He was a freshman. And I was like, what <laughs> just happened? <laughs> oh, yeah. Do you play any instruments, Dakota? Besides the jugs? You play, what's that long, mach- hey, be polite. <laughs> what is that long tube that they play in Australia? A didgeridoo? The didgeridoo. You play the didgeridoo, yeah. right? What? Do you have one? Yes, yes. Oh. Uh, actually, right now I do not. I moved recently, and uh, the climate change uh, oh. broke it. It actually split when I when yeah. I moved to a drier climate. What, you don't have duct tape or gaff tape? You don't have didgeridoo tape? That sucks. Yeah, you'd be surprised how I actually have taped it three or four times before, and uh, this was just the last draw. Got it. <laughs> That's crazy. Well, you need to come back to Salt Lake City to get yourself a didgeridoo, sir. 
Do they make didgeridoos? Are you, are you guys? Yeah, we're trying yeah, to get you Yeah, I was wondering if Salt Lake is known for its didgeridoo <laughs> making. Yeah, actually, you didn't know. We have the uh, world's biggest didgeridoo group. Really? No, it's a lie. <laughs> but we're trying to get Dakota back here. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe they'll let maybe they'll maybe borrow Moroni's trumpet. I can give that a whirl. We gotta go take it down, off, <laughs> climb up, get it, play it. Dude, you would have SWAT teams from every section of this state. How great would that be? Watching him negotiate from up there. He's up there like. Someone's down there with a guitar playing. <laughs> just just wanted to play Morona's didgeridoo. <laughs> the didgeridoo. Do you know how cold that statue thing would be right now on your lips? Oh. I bet that thing's freezing. <laughs> I played in marching band and normal brass instruments like practically make your lips fall off. You have to be right. careful with this kind of stuff, lady. Yeah, I, I hadn't considered the logistics on that angle. I appreciate your foresight there. Thanks, I know. I'm try I make things work. I'm, I'm the brains. Yes, you are. I'm and the beauty kidding. and the talent. Not the brains. No. That's that's Sasha. Oh, yeah. So how is Mr. President Barack Obama tonight? Uh, as awkward as ever, in my opinion. <laughs> We Whose were face was more bored, yours or Joe Biden's? <laughs> <laughs> Serious poll I'm going to ask all of social media. Who looked closer to throwing up, you or the people standing behind him? What, what, what really struck me was how often all of these old white men had to stand up and, and sit down. I mean, their <laughs> knees must be aching. <laughs> Stand up where they're cheering. <laughs> I saw one hit the number of times these... The amount of manicures that are going to have to happen after the clapping. Oh, man. <laughs> Their pedicures are like, the buffing is gone now. So he was telling us that we're the number one trading market in the world right now. So apparently all of our recessions are over. People don't have any worries about foreclosure or finding a job. Tuition's awesome. Yeah. I, 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 I call nonsense. I say, no, that's not true. Let's go to Pioneer Park. Tell me our economy's doing good. And I bet you it's even worse in Washington, D.C., where there's actually real ghettos over there. There's real sustainable poverty over there. I'm going to build a house for homeless people. You should. Not like a shelter, because I'm just going to pay for it myself. Are you optimistic? I'm as very optimistic. Are both of you optimistic about... about what Obama was saying that we're kind of, I don't, I, like I said, I didn't get to watch the rest of his speech, but at the beginning he sure was making it sound like uh, we're good to go. This is America, you know, number one in the world and everything. I'm not optimistic that the people in charge right now will fix it. Mm -hmm. I'm just optimistic that it will be fixed. Once I, I am not optimistic. No? Okay. I have to be no, optimistic. No, I, I, I've been, <laughs> well, you know, I, I agree. I spent my time with youth and optimism, but that optimism was spent doing, uh, you know, public protests and getting thrown in jail for public display. So <laughs> I don't know. My optimism was kind of shaped around that reality. <laughs> Have you ever been to jail, Sasha? What's that? You heard me. <laughs> he acts like he doesn't know what I just said. Wait, uh, once if yes. Next question. <laughs> Yes, I have. Yes and no. <laughs> I got. Has anyone ever called you a thug? 
Uh, yes. But see, as a journalist, we're just a bunch of misfits anyways. I got arrested walking home from the Highlander bar in Salt Lake to my apartment, and the cop pulls me over while I'm walking home, and he goes, I'd like to talk to you. And I go, nope, I'm a private citizen on public property. And I kept on walking. Gets out of his car, throws me into the fence that's, like, on the bridge. Yeah. So, like, if the fence broke, I would have fallen onto the freeway. And I got arrested for disorderly conduct for walking home from the bar. And I was like, dude, I didn't even drink. <laughs> I mean, I drank a little bit, but I didn't drive is what I, <laughs> yeah, what I meant to say is I didn't drive. <laughs> well, I didn't even know he could do that. Yeah. It wasn't fun or funny. But I got it thrown out of court, which was nice because I didn't do anything wrong. Like, yeah. Yeah. You can't walk home from a bar. I think you should be able to walk home from a bar. I thought I was being very responsible. But in this police state, you know, you, you, you're not supposed to be drunk in a bar. You can be arrested in a bar for being drunk. So what do I know? Have you been arrested, Becca? No. Why? I am an upstanding citizen. Mm-hmm. Um, have I ever been arrested? You're one DUI away from spending the rest of your life in prison. I'm thinking... No, I've never been arrested. That's good. I got a parking ticket <laughs> at Gracie's last week. Yeah. Um, at a which is a bar. They have delicious nachos. Have you had them? No. Oh my gosh. Kate, I'm being so serious right now. Yes. They have nachos. Get them with the Italian sausage on them. No. I need them every Who day. Who eats Italian sausage on nachos? Yeah, not me until this happened. You'd never think it was amazing, but it is. <laughs> they put all kinds of things on there. Oh, they're so good. But I got a parking ticket, and it was worth it. I like it. <laughs> That's about as good as it gets. I got pulled over once uh -huh. because I didn't. I took a left turn, and I went into the wrong lane. Yes. Bad. <laughs> $100. No, no. Yeah. I got a ticket the first day I worked with KU Radio. Why? We were doing a live event for a fashion show at the Galvin Plaza. Mm -hmm. And so there were two women, and I guess you call him a man, right? He was this uh. guy that didn't seem like he was a very powerful man. So they had... We had, you know, thousands of dollars of equipment, and I had to go pick up my car, drive over there. Apparently, I turned down a road. You're it's not allowed to turn. Yeah. Got a ticket. Bummer. That was my first experience at KU Radio, and they did not offer to pay it. Do you guys want to know how I talk myself out of tickets? And if I don't know. Just look at them with your stunning beauty. No, 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 no. Listen, yeah. if you are, like, mm, college age or under and a woman, <laughs> I said... So uh, this was in high school, my senior year, and I was speeding home at like 1 a.m. Mm -hmm. And I was going like, I hope my mom's not listening. I was going like probably 60 and a 40. But it's like a big, it's like kind of on the outskirts of St. George, and I wasn't endangering anybody. But he pulled me over, and so I started like getting all hysterical because I said I was trying to figure out how to use cruise control because I was moving to Salt Lake for college, and I was going to have to make the long drive. And I thought that if I put the brakes on and while the cruise control was going it would like counteract and break the car and so i was like trying to figure it out and i kept going faster and i didn't know what to do so <laughs> yeah. the cop was like okay oh yeah let me show you and he like 
gets in the passenger, leans over, and like shows I'm me sure the buttons. I'm sure you did lean over. Shows me the buttons <laughs> and was like, "This is how you can stop at any time, but you can you can like decrease the speed or increase it. Press this button. It was awesome. He totally believed me." So would either of you become a cop? No. I know that Dakota's a kind of a cop, search and rescue guy over there, running jurisdiction over cops. You're a search and rescue guy? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, and we, uh, that is true. We do have jurisdiction over the local police. If it is a search, then uh, we get to tell the cops what to do. I love search and when rescue When I've got my guys. badge on. They're the best. My oh, brother. Oh, we get along well. My brother passed away from a fall in Snow Canyon State Park. But this and it took so like tw- it took like almost 24 hours to get him where his body was. But the search and rescue mm-hmm. team was so awesome. They were like the best people. I love them still so much. Thank you. And we get that response a lot. We do we do work hard to, to help people however we can. You guys are the best. People don't even real. I think most people don't even realize what like that there even is search and rescue until they need it. But then they're like, you guys are like real-life superheroes. <laughs> they're the best. Well, at least two of you have that sentiment. You don't like <laughs> it? just makes me nervous. Search and rescue people? Yes. Why? Why does it make me nervous? It just the power and control, the ability to find people for getting lost in the wilderness, the edicts of, you know, having to have permits and, you know, because, uh, I don't know. Then search and rescue, I actually... I'm more tolerant of than the fish and wildlife people. The fish and wildlife gaming people really bother me. They're the worst. I've gotten a ticket from them before because I didn't have my license. Yeah. I've had lots of parties I broken up. I caught like one fish. Did you get a ticket? Yeah. <laughs> it's the worst. Now every time we go, I have to go online and pay $7 or something and get like my little printout of my day pass. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So that's actually, you brought up a interesting thing with you passing with your your uh, brother because in this next segment we are going to talk about passing in the grieving process and moving on so We're gonna go to we have to go break. to break and uh, we'll be back in a minute so thank you people be right back from the fourth floor of the union building at the university of utah in salt lake city this is ku internet radio for students by student radio yes yes we have myself sasha rebecca and dakota how are you creep i don't like looking at you through google plus <laughs> you're very well, you creepy <laughs> you guys are over there just having a weird little yeah looking at a little each bromance over break. here <laughs> in silence <laughs> it'd be worse if i was in the studio trust me yeah he'd <laughs> probably be here in his boxers <laughs> and a <Yeah>. wife beater <laughs> So what's going on, bud? Uh, well, you know, we've been, uh, I, I thought we were going to segue into some of the discussions about, you know, about loss, about grief. Um, and I know that it's, um, you know, something that you've been going through, Sasha. And, and Becca, it was interesting to hear that you also lost a, lost a sibling to what sounds like a tragic accident. And, uh, 
you know that that whole process of grieving I think is um is an is a very delicate subject and something everyone goes through and I think a lot of people have different processes for it so uh, I think it's a it's a good subject for for us to kind of look at so my uncle died um, about 10 days ago or so right around two weeks ago um, I found out right after two shows ago like I literally we got off out of the studio cousin calls and I was like something's wrong because my uncle had been in the hospital for the last you know since Christmas Eve, he went in Christmas Eve, died two weeks ago, and he's the longest male I've ever known in my entire life. You know, he was there when I was born. My dad died when I was four, so, you know, and I didn't have a stepdad until I was like four or five, but really, Uncle Dave was my guy. Like, we hung out. He was a Vietnam veteran, uh, poisoned by Agent Orange, came back and you know, used to run with motorcycle gangs when he got out with Vietnam and became a programmer, but he was really one of the nicest men in the entire world. Like, he was the only person in my entire life. I could probably say you too so far, but he never yelled at me. Like, he never got mad at me. And for a lot of people, that's not a big deal, but I was constantly in trouble as a kid, all the way until I'd say probably 18 or 19. Like, I still get in trouble with loved ones now. <laughs> But I don't get in trouble with school or, you know, I don't get timeouts and stuff like that. Timeouts. <laughs> Just by myself. I force myself to timeouts. And I started to realize that I've been really depressed. Like I've been, and I haven't been working much this week because someone lied to me and told me that I was supposed to work five days in Park City. So I didn't work with the Pac-12 for, you know, six days or five games because I was supposed to work in Park City. So I've had so much downtime. And I've had no desire to do anything. Like, I haven't been wanting to do stuff for old Ute Radio. I haven't been wanting to do stuff for... I've had nothing. And I don't... I don't know how to grieve. Like, I cried the first night I heard about it, but just a little. Like, not like when I cried when I was 16 when my grandma died, or 17 when my grandpa died. How do you grieve, I guess, is the question I would ask you two people. Like, is it natural to be depressed? Is it, or do you just say, yeah, Uncle Dave died, good man, move on, pick up, you know, tie your shoes and move on? When I was fairly young, my, my father's um, best friend and musical partner, they had been playing music together for, you know, 15, 20 years. He died, you know, not suddenly. He, he had been sick for a while, but, you know, when the passing came, Watching the grieving process for my father was very interesting because, you know, I was, I believe I was only seven years old, and it was the first real contact. I mean, he was a, like an uncle to me, you know, uh, best friend of my father, and they'd been old friends. When he died, my father had a very similar reaction, but, you know, he shut down musically, which was very strange because, you know, m music, live music, and the playing of music was very much a part of my childhood. And because that was so tied with his very close friend, when when Albert died, the music in my household stopped. So there was this weird kind of emptiness in our normal routine that no one else could really fill. My father was the musician, so the fact that that no longer took place, I don't. I I think it may be tied with depression, but I think there was certainly just kind of a you know, a lackluster of life that, you know, here was this person who had brought so much joy in his life who was no longer there, 
and it it drained his tanks for his ability to have creative outlet or the energy to create music for quite some time. It was almost seven years before he really picked up the instrument again. When your brother died, Becca, mm-hmm. what was did were you did you get depressed? Were you able to? How long did it? I I know you never get over the death of, especially a sibling, but how did you deal with that process? Um, not well. Mm-hmm. I think I'm pretty sure I was. I would say I was pretty severely depressed from the January that it happened in 2011 until probably this last summer. How long ago did he die? Three years. Three years ago. I would say it probably took a little over two years to to where I wasn't like crying at least once a day or like at least tearing up or like choking up and trying not to cry. And were you two twins? He is one year older. Okay, he was one year older. Or like right under a year. So he was 20 and I was, he was 20 and I turned 19 then like right before. So you really grew up and bonded with the man. Yeah. So I think for me, I would say I'm still kind of like in a rut from it. But I think when you grieve, I've had when I was in ninth grade, I had another older brother pass away. And for me, ninth grade was in middle school and then you go to high school. And when I transferred into high school, I was kind of able to like move on from it. And I think for me, like looking towards graduation this spring and then having like a new whatever happens next, it's probably the only thing that for me like ends that kind of grieving. Because as long as I stay doing the same things, I feel the same pains, I guess. Like familiar things are just hard, even going home. Like when you're with your family where you're missing such a big chunk, that's the hardest time and it should be like the biggest comfort. So I think like when people get broken up with and they cut their hair for something new, Mm -hmm. I think for me, I will be able to like say I've really moved on after I graduate and start doing something new. Makes sense. See, when my dad died, I was so little that it never really hit me, right? Yeah. But psychologists tell me that I suffer from separation disorders and that one of the reasons why I have such a hard time maintaining or keeping loving sexual relationships is because my dad died. And I was abandoned as a little, little boy. And so I never, I've never been to my dad's yard site. I've never cried for him. I've never grieved for him. When my grandmother, she had Parkinson's the last 14 years of her life. I cried for her, but in a different way because I was happy she was dead. Like, yeah. I was happy her pain had ceased. My grandpa, I think I was just so, I cried a little bit. But I wasn't real. He was like 93 years old. Like he lived a great life. Mm -hmm. But Dave dying really pisses me off because he fought in a war for four years in the prime of his young adulthood and spent the next 35 years battling disease from Agent Orange. And it makes me angry. Like it makes our whole family angry because he's had bacterial meningitis. He he's lost a foot from diabetes and it's all from Agent Orange. Yeah. You know, he's had multiple heart attacks, and he, he, he was a big man, a barrel-chested man. Like, he, he, he killed people in Vietnam. You know, he, he was a warrior. And to see this 
gentle man just you know, he had nightmares every night from the war it ne- he never got saved from the war and then to watch the VA not help him you know for him like while he was in the hospital this last time they denied him dialysis yeah our country denied a soldier dialysis because they said it wasn't necessarily necessary and it's like I, I don't get it, and that's what really made me say. And my grand, and my grand, my aunt, you know, she's like seventy-eight or something like that. She doesn't know how to work a computer. She is that digital divide person, uh-huh. because Dave did everything, and she's a mess. the 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 ramifications aren't going to be good for her. Uh-huh. You know, I think they've been married like forty-three years. It just the fragility of life is so quick. It just, it just shook my whole world. I, it didn't make. It doesn't make sense to me how good people die so quickly, but it happens every day in every family. It's going to happen in our lives where either we're going to die and our parents are going to be alive, or they're going to die and we're going to be alive. You know, my sons and I are going to go through it. Either I'm going to die or he's going to die. It's just. It's one of those. Everyone should just die at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> All at once. Be so much easier. <laughs> I'll bring the Kool-Aid. <laughs> We're poisoning the water supply. But seriously, it sucks. <clears throat> No, we can't all die at the same time because I've, you guys have to make me a promise. And this was one of the things that was the most important for me when when Albert died was um, he was uh, from New Orleans, and um, in New Orleans they have fantastic, yeah. amazing yeah. parties for the dead. And so we were in Port Townsend, Washington, the Northwest, but he wanted a New Orleans-style jazz funeral, oh. and so we put together a 35-piece you know, jazz orchestra and closed the streets for 15 city blocks and all dressed up in band uniforms and marched down the street playing when the saints go marching in. That's so sick. And, um, That's what I want. You know, had, had one of the best parties, you know, I could imagine. I think one of the things we all need to realize is that, you know, we're not the ones who died. Somebody lost their life and either it's, either we sit around and lament over their lives or we come up with ways to celebrate them because you know all that you have left when you die is the impression you made on the people around you and if they spend all their time being depressed that you were around them well you know they miss out on all the wonderful things that you were and I think anyways you both need to promise me if I die before you that we're having one of the biggest parties you've ever seen I'll bring my bass I'm a bass major I'll play some jazz for you I'll make yeah, it New Orleans yield. style. I'll yodel in my yeah. underwear for you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll do an undie Perfect. run 5K in your honor. An onion run, you undie said? Undie run. Oh, undie run. <laughs> I, thought you, uh, I thought you said an onion run. Well, guys, they're going to keep I, talking, but I have to bid farewell. Well, Sorry, Joiner, truthfully, enjoy the pollution. I will. I hope you don't get a Good night, Becca. Thank you. I'll see you guys back on Tuesday. Yes. Thanks for listening to me. Look forward to the rest of the show. It's our pleasure. Take care. Yeah, it was a bizarre experience because I come from a very orthodox family, and my mom's sister grew up in that way too, but she's not. Like, she would rather celebrate Christmas and 
cook bacon and have a ham on Christmas, right? And not do Hanukkah or anything like that. And so she decided that she didn't want my uncle to have a funeral, that they're actually having a celebration. And so Dave was cremated, and the celebration is on the 1st, I guess, but I'm not going, and that bothers me too. So I'm going to have to party it up from here and send good vibes, I think. Well, maybe you could request that they um, send you some of the ashes because uh, it's always nice to be able to participate in the uh, in the spreading of those. I mean, I hope that uh, I would like to be cremated and I would like to be shot in space. Or maybe even not cremated. Maybe have part of me cryogenically frozen and launched into deep space so I can just tumble eternally through the atmospheres and, and maybe run across some habitable planet someday where, like, my frozen toe chunk will land in some primordial ooze. You and Ted Williams, huh? <laughs> 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 Who's the pitcher? Who's the catcher, sir? <laughs> <laughs> so... You know, I was talking to my stepdad last night. He called up and, you know, was asked how I was doing and this and that. And I said, you know, it hasn't been a good 10 days or so. He goes, yeah, it's been tough. And I was like, but I think it's really time for me to get back to my life and to not be laying on the couch for seven or eight hours when I, because sh- I'm perfectly healthy and active and I love to work and, you know, I love broadcasting and it's like, it's time to get back to work. You know, I don't want to say, oh, because I'm doing it for Dave, but it, at the end of the day, we either get on living or we get on dying, you know, and I, I I, just really hope that my family in its whole chooses life over being sad and depressed, you know, but it's such a tough one. I don't, I don't know how you are married for so long and then boom, it's gone, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the our, our our temporal existence is is so apparent, and only when it becomes, you know, real is it apparent. You know, we go through life day to day, kind of expecting we're going to live forever. I mean, not a, not a lot of people waste their time contemplating their own death, but you know, a lot of that's because it's hard to understand. And when it happens, it 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 doesn't have all the reasons you would expect. There's never there's never a good reason. I mean. In some points, you can understand that it was coming, but you know it's hard to hard for any person, I think, to really justify losing someone close to them because it 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 leaves a it leaves a hole. And I mean, I don't know if it's necessarily a hole. I mean, there's friends that I've lost. My my dear friend Gabe Heineman, uh, I lost when I was in high school. You know, he's a person that I think of regularly. You know, who I haven't seen in twenty five years and has been dead that long and who I wasn't able to make it to his funeral but um, you know they're those people that are close to you that uh, you know their mem- their memory their impacts on you are what, are what stay with you and you know to celebrate those to you know and I don't know it sounds very simple it's very simple in, in retrospect it's very simple to discuss um, when it when you're not in the throes of it but there are a lot of life lessons in understanding grieving and finding ways to use it as strength do you think there's so many opportunities to find weakness do you think that humans are designed to grieve like or is it a made-up thing do you think our brains are designed for us to grieve yes i mean i guess i think 
just to talk about like a, a physical, like psychological level, I think that you could probably trace to early herding and pack mentality that without a concept of grief, um, there would be little need to protect those around you. And that I could see almost a, a, a neurological or, or survival evolutionary function for grief as a recognition of loss, even if it's just the loss of someone in your tribe who can produce more food. You know, that recognition of loss, I think, is part of grief. And the acknowledgement of loss is kind of where grief lies. So, yes, I, I don't think that it's a you know, emotional byproduct of a overly sensitive society. I think it probably does have some, some roots in our evolutionary uh, pack mentality. Elephants grieve and they make graveyards with their fallen ancestries. I find that interesting because I, I have always imagined that the reason why humans have cemeteries is for disease, right? Or we have mass graves during war to control disease outbreaks. But I wonder why elephants do it. Like, why why, why am I baffled in my head that Dave's not in a cemetery? Why do I think it's weird that he's in an urn? Like, there's so many different ways around the way people deal with grief that I confuses me. Yeah, I was actually... It's funny you mentioned this. I was, I was digging up some... Um, articles a few days ago and um, there's places in in Africa now where the whole death and coffin burial has changed drastically to people are being buried in effigies of the things that they loved so like there was a woman who just died who had a six foot tall uh, button up high heeled shoe made <laughs> as her coffin you know, a, another guy had a Nokia cell phone, literally a six foot long Nokia cell phone painted to match identical and had him laid to rest inside. And it's become this huge specialty market from giant Coca-Cola bottles to airplanes to dinosaurs. So people are having themselves buried in these like fantastic, you know, um, you know, death ships with whatever they they loved in their life. And you so know, is, there, I think the burial here's a great burial tradition shifts. Here's a great question for you, I think. Are people who bury themselves in replica shoes or phones or Coke bottles, is that them making light of their life and goofing with it? Or is that them actually taking a real serious approach to their life and their death? I mean, I think if you're taking too serious of an approach to your life, you're probably not getting buried in a Nokia phone. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, sure, so, but that's why I asked. <laughs> because there I might... do think there's this element of play involved. Yes. When you know, when my grandpa and grandma died, you know, the three days you, you can't be buried, you know, in a Jewish cemetery after three days. That everything is. So so strict in terms of the type of garments that are wrapped, the way that uh, you can't be buried in a kosher cemetery unless certain um, organs are removed first or second, you know. Death is a weird thing, and I, I, I'm not infatuated by it. Like, I'm not interested in killing. I'm not interested in serial killers. I'm not interested in war. 
but I've seen a lot of death. You know, I worked in a hospital. I, I've, it just baffles me. It's something I don't understand. So trying to learn, sir. Well, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, I mean, it's just it's kind of along the topic we were talking uh, last week about uh, population control and population growth. And, you know, death's a really big part of, of that. And, you know, our, our mortality rates, our birth death rates, we have a lot more births than we have deaths. We celebrate a lot less birth than we do death too. You know, the, uh, the, the, the act of mourning is, seems to be a longer process than the act of celebration when, when, a, when a new child is born. So I think there's some interesting concepts in our worth of life. We less celebrate the possibilities for life and we more um, uh, commiserate the, the loss of opportunity. I think that I'm not, I don't know if I can say this from an individual point, but I think collectively we like death. You know, countries around the world certainly like sending their young men and mostly men into war. We enjoy beating an army, right? We play pretend war when we're children. We watch violent sport, sporting events. You know, especially back in the day, they used to watch their gladiators be killed and pay money for it. I think, I think that we have a big infatuation with death. I guess we have to, right? Because I always say that our biggest malfunction in this country is that we fear death, that we let death rule us. And I, I think that that's still the case, and I don't understand why. But... It also sucks knowing that at any moment I could be dead. But it would stink knowing that I'm going to die in 2065 on May 15th, right? Oh, that would be way worse, yeah. You, you think? Yeah, that, that would be terrible. I don't, think, I don't think anyone would be able to m manage their existence if they had a particular date for expiration. And it would it would take away a lot of personal responsibility. I mean, if, if I knew that there was a certain day I was going anyway, there's a couple things I might get done that I wouldn't otherwise. But shouldn't we have that paradigm in our reality that we don't know when it's going to happen? Do you think that that insecurity of not knowing when we're going to die plays a critical role in the anti-human behaviors that we as countries show each other? Uh, no. No. Unfortunately, I think that it's a little more insidious than that. I think that our our difficulty between other countries has to do with our inability to understand other people in a meaningful way. And that our, our difficulty in allowing other individuals the individual freedoms we allow ourselves I think that death is enough of part of life that it's difficult, but I don't think it's a driving factor. I mean, there's, you know, I, what Jim Morrison said, no one gets out of here alive, right? You know, I mean, that's kind of that's kind of the whole trip of being a human is like you're gonna die. The question is how and when, and those questions can't be answered, so why worry about them? Mm-hmm. Why do people want to kill themselves and commit suicide? And or take it a step further, why do we have people like Adolf Hitler who 
create mass genocides. Where does that come into play? Because those are anti-human things, right? Those are anti-mammalian characters to want to, you know, the, the, the goal of a human being, I guess, is to procreate and to try to ensure that your offspring have a better chance at determining their life, right? And to re for them to reproduce. Certainly, but I mean, we see we see rivaling clans of of mammals attacking and killing each other in examples around the world outside of humans. Um, I don't. It's not a uniquely human trait to wage war. We do it in incredible extremes and malicious intentions, but. I think it comes from a similar naturalistic desire of, you know, pack mentality and, and, and dominance in success for your own tribes versus the others. So I would like to think that war was uniquely human. I just think that it's uniquely at a large scale for humans. Why do you think that? I mean, because uh, you, you've never had the desire to go to war, you know, you've... No, no, I have not. No, I, I, I'm a conscientious objector. And you've never had that thug mentality to carry around a Glock with you, and, you know, you're not that guy at a bar that's violently confrontational with another drunk person. But there's a lot of people are that are, and... I just know that the want to kill or the want to die is a very prevalent feeling on this planet, yet when loved ones die, it's one of the saddest things in the world. And I, the, the dichotomy is too big for me to understand, I guess. You can see it represented in a lot of ways. Um, and I think, you know, as you were talking earlier about suicide, you know, I think that there's there's a certain sense of permanence in death that is part of the fascination that nothing really in life seems permanent everything is in such fluctuation everything has such vivid movement uh, unpredictability at times that you know the certainty of death has an appeal because it's unquestionable because there is no rationalization there's no justification there's no there's no choice after that act that you are most certainly expired when you are expired there is no two ways about it and I think um, some people reach a point of desperation in their own lives where something permanent is a seems like a reasonable solution and I think that the same thing with the war mentality is that if you have a problem, the only way you can deal with it permanently is to kill it because that's the only permanent thing we really understand. That's a pretty smart concept. I'm, I, that makes a lot of sense if you think about it. You think people... Well, I just made it up, so... Well... <laughs> Bravo, sir. Yuchmo. <laughs> Good form. You think people that base jump and skydive and do running of the bulls 
and scuba dive to obnoxiously underwater feats. Is that a way to conquer death, death or trying to confront death? Or is it just fun? Um, I, I've been skydiving once, and I will tell you that all it was was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole death concept or, you know, people say adrenaline junkies like to be close to the edge. I mean, it's not really the closer to the edge, I think, that's the thrill. It's the ability to perform at a high level in a situation where not performing could cause death, but it's testing oneself. And, you know, skydiving is maybe not the same extreme as, like, you know, some of the base jumping and uh, this these new flying squirrel suits um, that people have been using. But I think that that's... The adrenaline junkies or the extreme sports enthusiasts, as they've kind of been come to be known as, it's more an opportunity to perform at a high level on that edge of safety where you are the only thing between success and failure, that you can complete, put complete trust in your ability, complete trust in, in, in your equipment, complete trust in your skill, and execute in an adverse condition. So we have to wrap up here soon because I have to do some production stuff for KU Internet Radio. Do you have conversations about death with your children? I I haven't had the conversation really with Micah. But, you know, I told him that, you know, Uncle Dave died. And he said, you know, he said a couple of days later to me, you know, sorry for what happened. You know, he didn't bring it up. You know, and I always tell him when we have conversations, you know, it's important that you eat in a healthful manner. It's important that you're not lazy, that you develop a good work ethic so that you can have a chance to not get disease, right? Or, you know, to live with ease. Do you have these talks with your boys and your daughter or um, yes, uh, recently, I mean, it wasn't a family member in the same sense, but, uh, you know, my sons are five and seven, so when, um, when our cat died, we had to talk about it, and it was the first time to really address kind of how those, uh, how those things work. I don't know, I think, I think for children, the concept of, grieving and death doesn't quite make the same sense because life still seems very infinite and so the finite nature of death doesn't really have the same kind of impact because you know my my son's first response at five years old was oh our cat died can we get another cat (laughs) and like the the process was not so much the loss of the animal but he was very excited because that meant we would get a kitten, we would get a small, cute cat, you know, and it would replace the one that we had had before. And, you know, I don't think it's this, the same in a child's mind when you try to replace uh, people in their lives. But I think the same kind of understanding for the temporal nature of existence is similar so why... in a child's mind versus adults. Why do psychologists then tell people like me that, oh, you have an attachment disorder, you have an abandonment disorder because your your mother or father died when you were, you know, just out of infancy. 
my personal opinion. Sure. Yeah, no, you're not a clinical uh, a psychologist. Yeah. Non-scientific opinion here. Sure. Let's get that out of the yeah. way. Come on, Dr. Um, Dummy. <laughs> I think a lot of it has to do with that we don't understand a lot about the human mind. And that, that's, that's particularly why um, psychologists and psychiatrists are focused around um, diagnosing the disorder because they're trying to find a general area to catalog neurological problems in so they can address them in a general way. I do not believe that the diagnosis of particular disorders in individuals has anything to do with the kind of help or kind of therapy or kind of assistance that they need to get out of that situation. So I think it's kind of a misnomer when our psychiatric fields make diagnosis such as detachment disorder all that essentially means to them is that you have a hard time attaching to people because you felt that things were unattached from you but it doesn't address how it is that you move forward in growing out of that position so my my worry is that the uh, the diagnosis fails to address the solution and I think that that's you know that's a broad ranging problem with our with our medical profession as Western medicine as a whole. So I don't think it only rests on psychology, but I think that health is looked at through the diagnosable symptoms of your disease rather than the actions to reach back towards good health. I concur. I I think I do. It's, it's, it's a tough one for me. All I know is that I try very hard to not get very mad at the people I really love. Like, I try really hard not to get mad at my mom or mad at you. Or if I get mad at people, to be very forgiving because it's so quick. You know, I, I'm an old guy now, and I remember being in my early 20s, and it, it goes by so quick. So, that's <laughs> <laughs> a little flash in your eye there for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> this is old guy radio. <laughs> so, Broadcasting live from my rocking chair in Silver City. Yes, sir. I uh, appreciate all you guys. Uh, thank you very much, Dakota, for coming on. All right. My pleasure as always. Thank Internet Radio Land. What's your Twitter and Facebook and all that fun stuff, sir? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at capital D-A-K, capital F-O-R-C-E. So at Dak Force. You know, you could try and friend me on Facebook, but if I don't know you, I don't want to be your friend. Aren't you a good radio host? <laughs> <laughs> Snob. <laughs> hey, we'll we'll get we'll get a show we'll get a show Facebook account up, and I'll be glad to. I'm sure trying to, man. There, but... I'm actually getting ticked off about this. My former co-host is domain over Olute Radio's Facebook page, and he never maintained it, which bothers me because I know that. W- our numbers can be a hell of a I mean, we haven't had new posts in months, just little things. And so I can't change it over because our Google account is fixed to it. But then if I try to do, you know, I got another Google email 
But it's like the kid just has to give it over. But I don't even know if you can transfer, you know, an account to someone else's, you know, because I'm not on Facebook. Yeah, you can. He just needs to give you the passwords and, and, and login names. Well, I have all that stuff. doesn't matter who's using it. I have all that stuff, but he put locks on it, like add requests and delete requests. Like he's still in control of it. Like it's not my yeah. fault you yeah, quit you the show. Yeah, you got to change that. No one asked you to quit the show, you know, you quit. But with that comes, you know, not having rights to that. It bothers me. It's all about control, man. People are trying to c control me. Don't control me. <laughs> control yourselves. Work with Don't me. Don't fence me in. Yeah, d d work with me because me I'm, a, I'm a great man and I'm knowledgeable and I'm giving with my time. But I am not dealing with nonsense and sophomoricism. I detest it. With that, I'm signing out, Rubber Ducky, 10-4. All right. Thank you all out there for listening to us and, and uh, sharing in our, in our little endeavors. Yes, sir. Instantly, I regret saying that. That was a horrible thing to say. And I'm very upset with how I'm acting right now. I just have a very hard time expressing my emotions, and I can't stop from yelling. So I'm very sorry. I don't mean to offend you, so I'm going to go ahead and go. But I'm not going to stop yelling because then that'll mean I lost the fight. The German radio has just announced that Hitler is dead. Rubber duck. I'll repeat that. I'm about to put the German the radio back. has just announced that Hitler is dead. <laughs>